This is the Subspace Exploration Project. In these Kink House episodes, we connect and talk with friends, partners, and people in our communities to provide an honest perspective on these wild and deeply personal experiences into kink, non-monogamy, mental health, gender expression, and building and maintaining these communities. In reaching out to learn and experience more in kink, non-monogamy, and gender expression, I immediately saw how this younger generation tends to be far more unashamed and courageous in their drive to experience. Their more daring nature is only tempered by their love for safe and welcoming communities. In this episode, I sat down with Clay and his roommates to discuss their personal experiences in kink, age gap relationships, community building, therapy and kink, and what it takes to achieve that level of intimacy in BDSM. And ahead of our interview with the owner of Dex Ranch, Clay and I discuss our interest in addressing the community reputations of kink venues and the very real risk of consent violations in more public settings. I'm Clay. I use he, they pronouns. I am non-monogamous, participate in relationship anarchy. I'm a very kinky individual, um, and I try to participate a lot in my local kink community and, uh, you know, build more community personally, uh, with the people that I love. <laughs> when did you discover kink or when did you realize you were interested in kink? Um, I mean, I would say that that was probably at a very young age that I like, it definitely started out as like, like, uh, erotica and like porn at a very, like, I don't know. I want to say like 10 or 11 years old. Um, that really set a tone and it, it was very like, kinky fetishy like porn and erotica that was like oh it had a big impact on (laughs) my proclivities that I have today Um, and I think I didn't really realize that was a part of my sexuality until like you know after I turned 18 and was you know made some mistakes in searching for that kind of cup filling experience and like having it happen in a way that was actually like harmful to myself. And then I realized that it had become like, Oh, this is something that I have to like seek out in a much more like intentional and like, um, healthier way. And I didn't know how to do that, but then I figured that out. I want to say my experience in the beginning, it was very, very similar to Clay's with like that kind of too early, exposure and then like not really making the connection with the actual physicality until you get more into it as yeah later after 18. can you quickly introduce yourself yes i'm astrid i like they them pronouns um i'm new to eugene and so also feeling very big in community and looking for my like-minded people and i feel very happy to be living with such um and yeah and also really trying to figure out my personal approach to kink and safety and getting what i need through growing figuring out what i need yeah learning I'm Aaliyah. Um, I I feel a little different from y'all. I'm very monogamous. Um, I'm a lesbian, though. <laughs> so that's fun. Um, long time carpet muncher. Yeah. I wouldn't say long time. I wouldn't say veteran, but we'll get there. Um, I am not, like, as involved in the kink community as my friends are. I am from like the very rural Midwest, so that type of expression was never normalized, even, you know, demonized where I'm from. So it's still being friends with them and the other people I've met while living in Eugene and also discovering my own sexuality has really broadened my horizons in that and like awoken like my interest in kink. But I very much, I don't know, I'm still very new. I definitely, I I have felt, like, in my experiences with you, 
I feel like it, it, like it just takes like feeling super secure and comfortable yeah. in a relationship with somebody to like, yeah, okay, I can try new different things, like yeah. tap into that part of yourself. Like, that's, I'm, it's difficult when you don't have something. Yeah, like I'm less of a sexually charged person, but I'm rather get more excited and I'm more invested in like the idea of commitment or like a very emotionally mm-hmm. intertwined relationship or romance or stuff. So I'm very open to kink. I'm just not interested with someone that isn't like woohoo at marriage, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm in very like, different standards. Yeah. <laughs> I struggle with romance a lot actually, which is and so sometimes yeah. she's talking to me about these things and I'm like <laughs> Okay. Cool. Yeah. But I like, I don't know. I feel like we've both taught each other a lot with our experiences. Yeah. Um, we balance each other out a lot. Absolutely. As I'm learning more about the kink community, I'm seeing two distinctly different ways to approach connections. And that is these people that will go to an event maybe get on FetLife or something and they will find somebody, kind of vet them online. Like, you look right. They'll talk to some other people that they only kind of know online and they'll be like, hey, let's meet at this place and let's do the scene. For some people, and it seems like the older generation, they will go and explore these scenes with this very compartmentalized setting. Whereas there's others that will... I mean, it may be pretty well self-contained, but they they take much longer time developing some kind of connection with the person, you know, whatever that looks like, um, and building that trust. And the self-contained scene at some remote location kind of thing, that doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering, like... Is there a certain utility in that? Like, does it make sense to any of you? I feel like I can talk about that. I engaged in a lot of, like, kind of one-night stand behavior or, um, like, really disconnected hookups where I was not emotionally attached or, like, like yeah, like, it was just a person that I was there to do a deed with. Um, mm-hmm. And I was seeking people out that I was, like... The light vetting was in the like okay as far as i can perceive they're going to like treat me the way that i want to in the kinky way which is the rough way um <laughs> that was that was my personal pipeline <laughs> um so, and then getting that experience and then being able to like be like all right one and like happened and i felt the purpose of that was um kind of the I try to build a really safe and comfortable and kind of boring life for myself mm-hmm. because of like childhood trauma and like just personal anxiety and mental health. And so I've, my coping has been very safe, boring, comfy life, slow. And then I've had, yeah, the yeah, kind the of container. risky, yeah, I have the risky, yeah. um, Yeah. Did you ever, if I can ask, did you ever find, like, in your, like, one-night stands where you were trying to, like, have that cup filled in, like, in your earlier days, did you find it, like, at all, like, harmful to yourself? Like, for me, I tried to do some of that, and I, like, I always ended up feeling, like, total shit afterwards because, like, I didn't... For me, I need to feel a lot more comfortable with a person and, like, know them a bit more outside of, like, an explicitly sexual setting Mm -hmm. to feel like, okay, like, I'm pretty sure I can, like, do this kind of vulnerability with you. And I didn't used to, like, really check on that part of that person. Yes. I think what happened was I got a little bit too good at disconnecting from the person and then also kind of what I really wanted from the person um which of course made me a terrible partner 
<laughs> um, and then also I am still unpacking that now as I'm trying to have relationships and connections where I am open and honest and mm -hmm. connected. Um, so yes, yeah. it was there. Yeah, it can be yeah. tough. Mm -hmm. That's, I like, I had in terms of like, my, I used to be really into the one-off scenes and I wouldn't even consider them scenes when I was doing them. I was just like trying yeah. to hook up and get my rocks off in like kind of a rough way. And it just ended up being like harmful because there's like no aftercare there. There's no like discussion uh, or negotiation of like what is and is not okay. Um, and so me personally, I'm not a fan of the like one-off, like, yeah, you seem okay. Let's fuck, you know, like let's do a scene or something. Mm -hmm. Like, unless this was, like, seemed like a very veteran safe kinkster that, like, I don't know, was hitting a lot of, like, green flags for me, then I might consider it, depending on what we're doing. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I guess I don't necessarily see the benefit of, a, of like, a, a one-off scene experience I see harm in it for some people. And I think some people can do just fine in those kinds of things and can mm -hmm. separate themselves from the other person before or after the thing. And I don't know. But for me, the connection is an important part of the experience. Well, yeah. I mean, like, from what I see as the main benefits of that kind of power exchange... I can't see how much of the reward system is present in a one-night stand, like a one-off yeah. scenario. Seems like it really depends on what it is you're trying to do. Yeah. I struggle to think of, like, the type of play that I would want to engage in that would be like, yeah, that would be fine for, like, oh, just... And my mind comes to, like, group play, but then I think more about it and I'm like, I don't want to just engage in some stuff about with these people that I don't really know. Like I would want someone to like, mm -hmm. to know them for me at the very mm -hmm. least, you know, yeah. vetting is difficult. Yeah. Which is, I would say part of, I suppose the appeal to not vet that. <laughs> Cause um, it's difficult. <laughs> yes. Uh, as somebody with like, yeah, very low energy. Um, that was part of like, it was easy. Um, to get that kind of very quick validation that I was wanted in some way or yeah that was like the person-to-person -person validation and then physical pleasure mm. um, I was never really engaging in like um, the more like painful harmful or degrading the kind of negative-esque experiences of kink for the like one night stands like pain for pleasure right yeah, yeah. Um, so I got away with not too much aftercare was okay yeah to still feel yeah, yes. a lot of my beginning experience must have been just like sub drop after sub drop <laughs> like yeah. a feeling mm -hmm. um like I wasn't engaging in any kind of like um like masochistic I, I'm a masochist I love pain mm -hmm. I think it's fine and also not fun <laughs> but I and I and like I like to challenge myself and I'm often putting my partner's pleasure like ahead of my own and so like a lot of my sexual experiences when I was younger were like I'm doing this to feel a little hot and good about myself and like maybe try to make this into like some sort of like fantasy scene situation but it never really dipped into that and it was always disappointing and then I did like definitely feel like heavily used and abused afterwards and I'm like great and then mm -hmm. I feel like shit <laughs> and then I do it again and then I feel like shit again and mm -hmm. so and, and that that and after like a bunch of that I just started I thought I was asexual for a while and that was really tough yeah. because I like had one point really enjoyed sex and I was a horny young person. I'm still a horny young person. Yeah. Like, uh, 
So it was really sad to go through a few years of like, oh, I don't want to touch myself. I don't want to touch anyone else. I don't want to think about a naked body. Like, yeah. it's all bad and not good. And I like totally first forsook. Yeah. Forsook. Yeah. I had yeah. forsaken. I could just use past perfect. So, um, I had forsaken my inner kinky debaucherous desires and fantasies and uh, I really lost myself for a long time and then I found myself surprise I'm trans um <laughs> so once I started figuring things like that out I uh, and just like finding like healthy kinky queer community online I was like oh oh i can do this this is for me this is something that people do and like i can do it too and then i did i had a good time yeah no you don't have much to say in a in a one night stand like no i'm very again like i'm from the midwest i'm very conservative about who i pursue and like who I engage with romantically, I'm very picky. I have a lot of preferences. I'm very much on, like, the defense in terms of, you know, romantic connections. Um, I, like, growing up, I was very repressed, probably in all ways, but, like, especially sexually Mm. and romantically as a young, like, queer little girl in Missouri where had never even heard of the idea of being gay until I was, like, 13. So there wasn't, especially in my small town, Missouri, there was not a lot of room for me to express myself, period. And so when I moved out here in Oregon and I was finally by myself and able to do whatever I wanted, I immediately got into like a longish term relationship with a rugby rugby captain might I say who that was a daisy of a relationship but I think a pattern I have in most of my relationships is I've been with people who like this is their first queer relationship or you know they've never their first real relationship period like they have not done any sexual things and I think that speaks to like I guess my I I wouldn't say insecurity about being sexually expressive but maybe my hesitance to it because it still feels very new and something that shouldn't like should be locked away a little bit so I'm still having the growing pains of going through you know shedding that little like midwestern southern baptist you know those insecurities away and actually expressing myself authentically within relationships so no I don't have a lot of experience um it's okay and like even in my relationships that I have had like you know we've been sexual together it was it's still very basic things like it's we never communicated about it like extensively about what we seek in a sexual relationship what our kinks could be or anything like that any interests yeah any interests (laughs) at all switching up the pace or the rhythm yeah and I think that's the reason I just haven't pursued any relationships in a while is because I'm still forming my own opinions and like preferences but I'm also like I'm I think my next relationship I'm ready to be with someone who's experienced and I still feel like I'm attracting people who aren't Mm -hmm. so I'm kind of just still growing into myself and kind of allowing fate to just give me someone who like is interested in that type of openness with Mm -hmm. sex for sure yeah Well, I think the journey of growing into oneself can continue for a very long time. I mean, it's kind of nonstop for a lot of people, I think. And I think that's kind of the fun of it. I mean, you make a lot of mistakes and you, you realize after 
nearly every relationship that you didn't let yourself have all of what you needed out of it. it it's important to feel like you have learned, right. you yes. know, and grown. And if you haven't, then... Uh, Sucks if you haven't grown. <laughs> yeah. Me, I grow all the time. Because yeah. I take tea and my clip gets bigger every day. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. My hair grows too. <laughs> what do you think about the idea of kink as harm reduction? I think I haven't had, like, I haven't participated in or seen too much conversation about kink as harm reduction. But I do have opinions about, like, and maybe this connects to kink as harm reduction, but kink as like therapeutic and like um, a way to work through trauma. Um, and so I wonder, like one of the first things that comes to mind for me is like, like an act, like if you have a tendency to like, you know, self harm, like one of the things that you can, maybe one of the, if you're also kinky or whatever, maybe one of the things that you can do to like reduce a self-harm is like to participate in kink in some way. And maybe that doesn't have to necessarily be like, instead of cutting yourself or hurting yourself, like you have someone else hit you about, that's not what I'm talking about, but maybe it's like kink in some sort of like explicit tender, like caring mm -hmm. procedural way yeah. that like gives you a space to feel the pain that you're feeling when you want to participate in self-harm and instead have a different container to be with yourself and another person that that makes you feel more connected to that that part of yourself like whether that's your young self that is hurting or like uh, like a, a, any any part of yourself that's hurting to connect to that part of yourself and give them a space to be in pain in a way that does not actually contribute to their own harm, harming themselves. That's what I think of. I don't know if you guys have heard or have thoughts about, like, I don't... Very similar thoughts. Um, I haven't had, like, any sort of community exposure or heard anyone else talk about it. Um, but I feel like I've probably definitely seen that pattern just in my own actions. Um, and then as I've become more aware of it, it, um, yeah, I've been able to do it more, more safely and more connectedly. And it is a really great, like, it's a coping strategy. And like, even beyond a little bit, harm reduction is probably more kind of how it was at my beginning stages but it can get better and sort of more beneficial without the obviously the harm um the the trouble is finding somebody who is like that you can connect and be vulnerable and so authentic with is to share that like most hurting part of you because that's also usually the most hidden away and i think it's also like really deep uh, at least for me, it feels like a lot of the hurting part of myself is deeply connected to my kinky self. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it can also be pretty difficult to find a kinky play partner or partner in general that like wants to engage with you on that really tender, non-explicitly sexual side of things. And that can be I don't know. I see that a lot on the internet and stuff. And like, yeah. you know, the cool queer kinky mm -hmm. people that I follow are engaging in that sort of thing. And that seems fucking amazing and highly desirable by many people I know. And yet it can be difficult to find play partners that want to also engage with you on that side mm -hmm. of your vulnerability. Yeah. That's tough. What I've, I'm interested to know what you've heard about like kink and harm reduction. If you've heard discourse on it, and if you have thoughts, not a ton. It's just I mean I, I was listening to the Dildorks and they were they were talking about it a little bit. And um, usually 
if you've had any kind of trauma, it's probably made worse by your poor decision making. And then you spend this time figuring out how to create a space, be vulnerable and, and, um, outside of kink, I, unless you, you just stumble upon a person who connects with you perfectly, I, I don't see how you can be able to create that perfect scene where you feel cared for and like all these different levels of yourself are satisfied. You satisfied know? Maslow's hierarchy of needs all in one yeah. sitting. Yeah. I don't I don't see how it's possible outside of kink. And it's like there's this shorthand in kink. You know, you, you spend well, ideally a couple hours, but you know, <laughs> it could be twenty, thirty minutes. Sure. You lay it all out and You're fantastic communicators. And uh, you know, this is what I would like to achieve. And it if you trust in their no on your own, you can create a space of healing, even if they're beating the shit out of you, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I will say, like, sometimes the, like, getting the shit beat out of me is that vulnerable healing space that I need to, like, be witnessed having a bad time. And, like, people are, are like, um, allowing it to happen or, like, giving me the care. Like, like I think about all of the, like, rough shitty bad times that I had is the the youngest in on both sides of my families with like rough older boy cousins who were like just like it feels like it was I was just like being pushed around and manhandled and like my nose were never ever like taken seriously ever um and so sometimes in kink I feel like in some ways it feels like I try to recreate a situation where like my autonomy is taken away and but re-experience a situation like that that ends better mm-hmm. and like it's in a much more controlled environment too. yeah yeah you know absolutely you have control over the situation yeah when you know in the past you did not no 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 and i know that like if i were to really signal like okay this is a real no. Yes. Please, actually, let's stop right now. I know it would absolutely be listened to. Um, and, you know, I like when I was upset about the things that happened to me as a kid, when people ignored my like, you know, crying and dissent was the you know, you know, get over it, be more resilient. Um, you know we're all just trying to have fun and you know you make it difficult for us to have fun and I'm I don't know that has been a narrative that has been fed to me that like oh I just gotta be docile and like resilient and like Mm. cool and allow people to like do the shitty things that they need to do because they're trying to enjoy themselves and I'm preventing them from enjoying themselves Mm -hmm. um I don't know. So kind of like flipping the script and being like, this is unenjoyable, but it's like meant to be unenjoyable, kind of. And I also get like tons of rewards and praise for it. I don't know. I haven't thought like too deeply into these two, in this, into this like analogy. So, but I don't know. Yeah, also in a way of like like harm reduction. Sometimes I do need the shit beat out of me and that's the harm reduction. I don't know like what harm would happen if I didn't get the shit beat out of me. <laughs> I think I would just be a meaner person. I I like sometimes I think if I didn't have kink, I would have less compassion. That's probably true. Somehow maybe. I, I think know. it's I a think good that's a wild thing. I think so too. I don't think <laughs> you would be evil with no kink. No. But I think kink definitely gives you a different facet to like, I don't know, I guess experiment with these different feelings and these different traumas that you couldn't really tap into in normal like therapy conversations or 
Oh yeah, because I can intellectualize it and of talk myself course, through it all for the day. Completely yeah. different to do to like enact some of your traumas physically with mm-hmm. another person that you trust. Yeah. Yeah. In that setting for sure. Like and I also remember and I kind of feel like I might still feel this way. I know I definitely do, because there have been times I was gonna say that I I think about all the times that like, you know, I've been wrestling with my older sisters or my older cousins and they've like pinned me down and my legs, I can't, I can't move my legs. And it's not just like, like my ankles, but like my legs are weighed to the ground that like immediately sets me into a place of panic every single time. Mm -hmm. Even when like, I think recently someone had like came and like laid down on top of me. And I think it was Lee. (laughs) And I had a blanket on my legs and I couldn't move my legs. And I was like, you have to get up right now. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. like truly panicking, but like I couldn't stand the sensation for like a moment longer. I needed him to get up immediately. And it was going to send you there. Yeah. It was going to send me there. And so there are still some like physical reactions that I have to being restrained that do kind of trigger me, I guess. But I, I don't know. I can't think of a specific situation like that happened that made me afraid of my legs being tied down. I mean, like I'm down for it, but I think like, sometimes I think about a vac bed. I don't know if I know, you know what a vac bed is. (laughs) Have you ever heard of seen or heard of a vac bed? It's like a kink toy. It's, it's basically like you're like sealed in like silly, like a vac, like you're in a vacuum sealed bag. There's absolutely no movement around. It's like totally sensory deprivation. Mm -hmm. But so I think about that and I'm like, yeah, I think I might panic in one of those. I don't think I could do that much restriction of like, I would cry. I think. (laughs) And like, you know, maybe we do want me to cry for a second and then all of a sudden I come out of it and everything's fine. It's like, see, that can happen and you can be okay afterwards. It's okay. Um, what do we have going on next? Well, I just I wanted to talk a little bit about the Dex Ranch thing. As far as I know, it sounds like the people for that instance were their lifetime banned. Mm-hmm. Um, the details surrounding it, um, I have no idea. Yeah. You know how it was navigated, but the thing is, it's like I I think it'd be important. And we could decide after we talk to him if we feel like we want to platform him. And that's what it, that's what I'm getting at. It's like, do we want to platform him? Do we want to see? Do we want to sit down and talk with him and see what his take on it was? How did he navigate it? Does he regret the way he navigated? You know, he dealt with things at the time. Has he learned since then? I mean, because I w- I would assume that a semi public setting like that, there's always going to be a risk of consent violations. Yeah. How quickly people jump on it and deal with it and how they deal with it, how they deal with it. (laughs) That's, that's all very important. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I want to find out like, how was it dealt with? Yeah. How was it dealt with? And if he screwed up, then how has he made things better do you understand that you screwed up if you did screw up and like what's your plan for the future yeah and I I don't want it to I don't think we get very far if we're like so I heard some dirt on you yeah no 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 I don't think so either I agree I agree this has to be like uh, we have to be tactful yeah what a lovely wonderful space which is true Mm -hmm. um I personally have been told by like a play partner, not a, like I was, uh, he'd asked me, we had talked about Dex Ranch and he had advised against it due to hearing about some consent violation, you know, dubious activity. And now I'm being told that, you know, Dex Ranch is cool now or whatever. So as someone who wants to participate in my local kink community and this being one of those spaces what happened there and like what like what can you tell me as someone who wants to come here and like participate mm-hmm. how can you reassure me that like what like what happened what's your plan for the future because i understand that consent violations do happen 
in like no matter where you are unfortunately um but what's important is like the dealing with it i don't know but i, I agree that it can't be like a tmz magazine we yeah. we hear that you're a, a head like you yeah. know like no i'm yeah exactly so yeah so i think we're on the same page about this like i like because i've gone out there and like i've been out there three times at this point and it's it's a really cool welcoming space but that's dependent on the people that are present that's yeah. the thing is it it's it's a public place anybody can show up and so like i would anybody going out there for the first time i recommend going with at least one friend that yeah. you trust does not really need if you want to hook up with somebody hook up there don't go anywhere yeah unless you know the person yeah and um there's a vetting period and i feel like this is the like this is the vetting like it shit wasn't dealt with properly back then clearly mm -hmm. or at least some people feel like it wasn't dealt yeah. with properly and so like maybe we can kind of help shine a light on it to some extent and yeah. you know not clear necessarily yeah like potentially clear things up a little bit or at least start a different kind of dialogue than this back and forth that's on social media mm -hmm. about it you know it looks like the same arguments that were happening four years ago are, are still going on people have the same grudges some of it's over petty shit has nothing to do with a fucking consent violation yeah and so it's not going anywhere yeah. but there's still a very real concern about the kink scene is growing there's more and more young people going out there. And if there is a real issue, a safety issue, then I think people need to to know. Yeah, that about their community and where yeah. in and if it's a safe inform place to, their choices. Yeah. I mean, so I, I think it would be helpful to go out there, interview him, check out the space. And that just creates one more piece of media that new people can check out and yeah. make their own choice regarding it. I'm missing the context of this. Are y'all going to interview, like, the owner of this place? Yeah. 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 Tea. Yeah. Tea gossip. Interesting. And so, yeah, something happened there. Something. And y'all are just... Like interviewing, yeah, seeing how they the handle a type of situation like that, maybe. That, and also I think just being like, spaces like this place are available to some people. Right. These are these are cool places to do play about. and to talk to other people who are doing mm -hmm. play here or whatever. Mm -hmm. And also, how do you handle consent when you have a when you're operating a space like that. And that brings up the question of, we heard something about a situation where something like that happened and we're curious about like what your process was handling something like that. Yeah. As someone who's gonna have a space like that, I think it's important to have a good game plan yeah. in in your mind for when something in it, like that inevitably happens. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could just ahead of time be like, "Here's the questions that we're gonna have." Yeah, I mean, I've done that before for like the radio show yeah, interviews yeah. and stuff. I I said they do that on Jimmy Fallon, I think. <laughs> just you know, I don't want to blindside you. Yeah, but we do want to talk about this, and you know, be very tactful in yeah. what I list, um, and let them know that we're not trying to this isn't a gotcha piece you know it's we just it's important to discuss because it's a very real aspect yes. of business he's running yeah absolutely I'm, I'm really looking forward to it and also to like seeing this space seeing this space because I've been to two like fetish events both of them being at like bar club styles one of them was here in Eugene at Old Nick's Pub mm -hmm. um uh, for their fetish night and that was really cool they had tastings but it wasn't necessarily like a playing type of environment 
it was mm. just a place for you know kinksters fetish people to be in their whatever clothes they want to wear and i guess maybe even like i think i saw some people in like leashes and collars so like that was also part of the atmosphere but beyond tastings there wasn't any actual play going on yeah um the other place that i had been to was sanctuary pdx in portland and that was much more of like an explicitly club like play setting um where they also had like a bracelet rule of like you know one glow bracelet for yes one glow bracelet for no if you're not looking for any play or if you are I had a no bracelet on I was by myself and I still got approached for a threesome by the same people multiple times so Mm -hmm. yeah that's uh... you know (laughs) it wasn't my favorite experience I would have much rather gone with you know comrades in kink or this might be a group question I was gonna one of the things I was gonna ask was what are some warning signs that a power exchange might not be healthy or a, a potential connection? Um, might not work. I don't know. Trying to rack my brain of like, uh, like it's it's difficult to find. I don't know. I, because I haven't had that many, like, my conversations tend to be if I'm finding someone to be a red flag or a no, that conversation is very short and I can figure that out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm usually going for the neurodivergent, older, like, <laughs> older men that are like, I don't know, they're all like the same kind of font. They're all like weird and neurodivergent in some way. They all love Doctor Who. They all <laughs> like... They're all fucking nerds. They're all big ass nerds that have a ton of shit to talk about. And I I love it. And I don't know, those men tend not to be so threatening also. So they end up being more green flags than red. Yeah. So I'm not immediately attract- attracted to the walking red flags. They're nice in theory. I love to fantasize about the security guards at the 13th and Olive apartment com- <laughs> complex. Mm-hmm. That was really fun, but they're definitely all ex-military. Oh my God. That's a, often a, can a be a red, red flag. flag. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Guilty until proven innocent on that one, unfortunately. Mm. No, I, I think everybody has a type, or at least one type. Yeah, sure. I yeah, I, I will definitely have a few. I have a few different types, but in terms of like getting my kinky rocks off, it tends to be the same font. Mm. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm fervently looking for a mommy dummy but um low stocks scarcity they're scarce shortage shortage just like there's a mask shortage um and a top shortage and i happened uh yeah i was gonna say i happened to be both a mask in shortage and a top in shortage so I am contributing to the problem, but I'm also a victim of the issue as well, which is very serious. You're a victim. I'm a victim. I know you. I mean, any, like, red flags in a power dynamic, I mean, thinking of my relationships, just a lack of vulnerability and communication especially in a kinky relationship hey, that's like a good one yeah <laughs> i mean the thing from what i've learned about kink especially through your lens hmm. is that what's really good about kink is that in the ideal kink relationship i think like dynamic is that there's a lot of openness and a communication about sex hmm. Which, in my background, that's very taboo. You don't talk about that. Yeah. And 
that, you know, having that openness with sex, which is something, at least I think, is a very vulnerable, intimate thing to do with another person, that opens up for vulnerability to happen, that, like, allows you to work through trauma, through kink, Mm -hmm. that allows you to address, like, a lot of your insecurities or, you know... A lot of people have trauma with sex. Like yeah. it's, you know, and in a bad power dynamic, that's something that wouldn't be allowed to be explored as intimately as it would yeah. in a good dynamic where there is that openness and communication mm-hmm. and that like lack of judgment. Right out the gate for me, a cis heterosexual man is a red flag. <laughs> <laughs> I would say first red flag, a man. That's my first red flag. <laughs> first immediate. <laughs> Unfortunately, I am attracted to some red flags. <laughs> you are. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. No. Um, Aaliyah is a misandrist and hey, a man hater. And I'm very, very much behind about it. that. Like, I wish I could be as strong as you. It's like very deeply ingrained. Um, I and sometimes I'm, feel bad about it. Yeah. But I don't think you my should. My therapist said I shouldn't. So and I, I don't listen to your therapist. Yeah. She's good. Um, but you made me think of like, in terms of like, like how. I also think that like people who don't want to talk about body parts but want to engage in sex are like you are still uncomfortable with like bodies and like I'm also kind of uncomfortable with bodies but it's something that I'm like aware of and push through and talk about body parts and like what do we like our body parts to be called how do we want them to be touched um like what does that mean for you play partners who are interested in like how kink is how like gender affirmation and dysphoria are tied into your kink and how that Mm -hmm. might affect the play between you Mm -hmm. those are important i i have a lot of green flags that i can speak on but i i struggle to find the like definite obvious red flags you know like yeah well i mean that's a good sign because it says that you're successfully you know what you're doing at least right now you're successful in creating the space that you need yeah Yeah. you know um i get that cup filled pretty well i think yeah but like speaking of what you were talking about like the the failure to be vulnerable it's like like just in what I understand so far if you're involved in kink especially and you can't be vulnerable with someone then you aren't you're engaging with something else mm-hmm. yeah. You because because ultimately as far as I can see there's not really any such thing as a dom both people are submissive to the consent of the other and the space that they're creating. Yeah. Yes. You know? Yeah. And if someone has got it in their head, I'm a real dog, and they think there's some fucking hot shit, and they can't get vulnerable with that other person yeah. and open up, then... Yeah. You're not engaging. Yeah, they're not engaging with that person. Yes, exactly. And that's that's just dangerous. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's the line between sex being an act, which I feel like happens a lot more, especially in like heterosexual relationships where it is something just do. You just do. You know, it's an act. It's something expected of you. You don't really talk about your preferences or your opinions about it or, like, anything. Like, there's no curiosity out of mm-hmm. that where in, where you bring in the vulnerability and you move through probably the discomfort of talking so intimately about, like, your body and your feelings with sex. That mm-hmm. makes it more of a collaborative experience an experience for sure yeah 
rather than something you just go through the motions of. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Age gap relationships, they're they're kind of, I generally have never been a fan or comfortable with them. Mm -hmm. But in the context of the mentor-mentee, or at least that kind of umbrella, yeah. Um, in in the world of kink, where there's a, a very deliberate, well-defined space dynamic that is created, it's uh, it makes a certain kind of sense that that it wouldn't otherwise. I think. Yeah, like it's somehow like I don't know, like if I if someone was engaging in like an an age like and. I, I don't know what are we considering whatever you consider an age gap relationship I guess that de maybe depends for some people but in my head that's like 10 plus years of a difference mm -hmm. um, to be honest maybe more um, but it kind of, it feels and I don't I don't have that much of a strong opinion on like age gap relationships that don't dip into like kink or anything and it's just like sex and they love each other or something that somehow still feels like more malicious than like <laughs> explicitly engaging with each other for like the shared common interest of like kink not just like sex but kink and different dynamics and this like very communicatively explicit um, and um, well navigated collaborated on dynamic mm. that just doesn't seem like it would really happen outside of two people seeking each other out for like kink that mm. made those conversations seem like they would happen less yeah. outside of an experience like that um, and so age gap relationship in the terms of kink yeah makes seems far less questionable than like I don't know falling in love with someone 20 years younger than you I don't see how you can <laughs> or uh, I don't see how I can fall in love with someone 20 years older than me yeah boring I <laughs> I don't see how I could fall in love with anybody, but that's a different can of worms. So like, you know, like at some point people bother me and <laughs> I can't imagine. Like you bother me very little. And that's why like, uh, I like to spend my time with you. I'm like, no, this guy hits most of the time, like mm -hmm. 90 times out of, out of a hundred times, like you're hitting for me. <laughs> I hate you the least. Ooh, lucky me, lucky me. Yeah. I love her a lot. Like I cherish you. You're getting that on video. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'll say it to the camera. Say it to the camera. I cherish Aaliyah very, very much. I would like jump in front of a car for her. He's he's my say say. My baby. He's my baby. I would do anything for you. Yeah. Truly. I know. I think it. Um, I don't know how we got there, but oh yeah, yeah you don't like people. Uh, <laughs> uh, um I don't know. I don't have much experience with age gap relationships. Again, I think I don't know, when I thinking about kink, especially in my upbringing I it, it was very demonized of course I was in the bible belt of course it was mm -hmm. and so the addition of age gap is like what that's pedophile it's either pedophile or victim you know yeah. and so not that I really adopted that scope ever I feel like but definitely being exposed to how that can actually play out in real life, mm -hmm. especially with, you know, my best friend doing that. I do that shit all the time. And being engaged in it and hearing about his experiences through it. Mm -hmm. I understand it a lot more 
especially in the kink aspect. Like, I agree there's somehow a difference between it being, like, going through in a kink perspective than there is, like, a romantic relationship. Yeah. What are y'all being romantic I, about? Yeah, I don't... The <laughs> what, do you guys, yeah, what, do you, what do you guys have to relate to? Yeah. So, One of y'all I, has some growing up to you do. Yeah, I don't both. know. For And, like, for me, I don't... I don't think I'd ever imagine myself being attracted to anyone younger than me. Though it's hard to say, because I'm 22. So anyone no, I, that is no, an age gap to me it. is a minor. No, like... <laughs> so... No, but, so, okay. You know, I've, I've given it some thought, especially recently, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I... Generally, I've got a... For the most part, big picture, I've got a problem with it. You know? Yeah. Like... But also... When I was in my early 20s, um, I had this situationship with a coworker that was 38 and then another one that was 48, right. like a year later. Mm-hmm. And all positive experiences, yeah. I think I benefited, you know, it wasn't super complicated. Yeah. Like overall. Being coworkers and all? Yeah. If we actually dated or something, then it would have been weird, I yeah. think. Definitely yeah. would have been weird. But it was just hooking up for a couple months and learning, you know. That's what it was for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the thing is, it's like, the reason why I do definitely have a problem with age gap relationships is because there's a very high potential for consent issues, mm-hmm. you know, yes. in any situation where there's some kind of power exchange and age is involved, yeah. you need to know every fucking day that you engage with them, that their consent is there, you know, and it's not compromised, mm-hmm. you know, and if it ever is, then there's a fucking problem, yeah. you know, and... I think that makes me think of like you know, indecisive people can sometimes be like, you know, beige, you know, red flags because I'm like, can I trust that you're telling me actually that this is what you want? And I don't find that often to be a red flag in searching for dominance at all. Um, but I think that can easily be a red flag for many submissives. Mm-hmm. Um submissives that don't that that aren't solid in their yeses and aren't don't have that many no's Mm -hmm. um that is not someone that i would have an easy time engaging with period Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. like especially engaging in like play in kink or any kind of sex i want like enthusiasm to something and if there's not enthusiasm is it the kind of like that's scary type of like but I'll do it kind of enthusiasm like are we excited to do something yeah. are we enthusiastic to do something that is scary or are we not enthusiastic in a way that's like I don't think I want to do that but you're just, yeah. that I'm just like I'm just not enthusiastic about that it's yeah. not necessarily that like I would hate that I just I don't love it you know mm-hmm. Um, so that that's an important part in, in finding a partner for this kind of yeah. thing someone you can trust their yeses and nos yeah you don't mm. want them to be like a people pleaser yeah this is not what this kind of space is about it's about being selfish sort of like yes. well I mean you, you can be a people pleaser oh sure I sure. mean but yeah, you have to be confident and yes. and very specific in what you're doing. How you're choosing two people to yes, yeah. yes. For me, that comes often like, you know, being a fun toy to play with and someone else like enjoying yeah. playing with this toy or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm pleasing someone, but it's also like in a way that pleases me and is giving me pleasure, like that's cool that's cool people pleasing yeah. <laughs> that's a way yeah, to do absolutely. it in a way that's good for you and others yes 
But if you're like, yeah, if you want to do this, I'm cool with that too. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've done nothing around needs or feelings or anything. Yeah, it's not good. It's like it's self-destructive, and it's very much not good for the other person involved. No, because then they can't they can't trust you. Mm-hmm. Slash, they've become an aggressor. Yeah, like, like, really, it like in a position. It's like okay, it, it creates a power dynamic. So I've assaulted you. Is what you say. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and that sucks. That sucks. But that often some like it's unfortunate that a lot of like I wonder why people don't feel good about like actually saying what they want. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised that that's an issue for people. Yeah. That was Clay at the Kink House. And this is the Subspace Exploration Project. Hit subscribe, comment, like, and share. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Acast, and RSS feed.